0: And now, Spotlight Montana with Laurel Staples. And welcome to Spotlight Montana. In this segment we continue our series on the opioid crisis and today we're focusing on the development of a vaccine targeting opioid addiction and that work is being done right here in Missoula at the University of Montana. Here to share with us an update is Dr. Jay Evans and he is the director of the UM Center for Transitional Medicine and welcome Jay thank you thank for coming.
1: You. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the yeah. opportunity.
0: Well all of this is thanks to a 3.3 million dollar contract from the National Institutes of Health and you just got back from a meeting attending the Mm -hmm. uh, meetings with the NIH on the East Coast. Um, Tell me about those meetings.
1: So yeah, so this was part of a uh, monies that came to the NIH, what's called the HEAL Initiative, uh, where Congress appropriated $950 million to target the opioid crisis that's spreading across the U.S. We've all all heard about it in the news. Um, So this has many, many facets to it, um, from looking at prescribers to looking at um, non-opioid-based pain medicines, and our aspect of it is actually looking for new treatments uh, for opioid addiction, and our focus is on vaccines.
0: Okay, so tell me about the vaccine work. What was the big takeaway from these meetings, and how will you apply it to the work being done at the University of Montana?
1: No, absolutely. The, the takeaway from the meetings is there's not one strategy that's going to solve the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of strategies, um, and, and ours is to use vaccines um, to help people that are already addicts, um, to opioid addicts, um, that are going through a rehab, um, that during those two years or so after rehab, the likelihood of a relapse is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a vaccine um, that, when given, administered to, to, to recovering addicts, will generate antibodies to the drug in the bloodstream that then when they do relapse, prevents that drug from crossing the blood brain barrier um, and prevents them from uh, having an overdose and potentially dying or ending up in the hospital um, and also prevents them from relapsing because when they go to use again, um, the drug has no effect Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't make it to the brain where the active site for the receptor is.
0: Wow, so this is is really a unique novel idea, vaccine Mm -hmm. for opioid addiction. Um,
1: it, it's unique, but it, it's not as, as new as you might think. We worked for, for a number of years, we worked on a nicotine vaccine
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and actually made it into clinical studies. Um, there have been clinical trials for co- cocaine vaccines that have been done, not by our group, but by others. Um, and so the, the concept was out there, um, but it's the recent crisis that really brought it to the forefront uh, sure. and, and allowed NIH and, and the government to put monies into it to help to help solve the problem.
0: So where in the process is the department in developing this vaccine?
1: So we're at the, what we call the preclinical stage, and that is where we've designed the vaccine, um, in collaboration with our partner at the University of Minnesota, uh, Dr. Uh, Marco Pravatoni is our partner in this. And so he helped design the vaccine, the original vaccine. And what we do at the University of Montana is we've focused for many years on infectious disease vaccines and how to improve those by adding different types of immunostimulants to improve the response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we partnered with him, combining his technology in the vaccine area with our technology in the adjuvant space and immunostimulant space Uh, those two technologies together um, can make a much more successful and effective vaccine that's also safer Um, so if things go as planned and we have additional funding that's pending with NIH um, as well as with the University of Minnesota, um, is we could actually be into phase one clinical trials within one to two years.
0: Okay, wow, so it's moving it's along. Quick, yes. yes, very quick. And what is it like for the students to be working on this?
1: It's, it's exciting, it, it's a great opportunity not only for us, but we have undergraduates and graduate students at the University of Montana working on this project. Um, we're hiring lots of new people. Our group there is now 40 people working mm-hmm. on vaccines at the University of Montana. Um, which is great. There's a lots of excitement. There's lots of student involvement. We've, we even have high school students working in the lab. Okay. Um, we offer internships, so it's a great, great opportunity.
0: And you touched on a couple of them, but the University of Montana has a lot of experience in working with vaccines. Tell me mm-hmm. more.
1: So yeah, so we have vaccine programs that range from influenza to TB, um, malaria, pseudomonas. Um, we have immunotherapy vaccines for cancer immunotherapy, and we also work on allergy treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cover lots of space across the vaccine platform. And it's using that expertise across those different platforms. It allows us to quickly move into other areas where where there's a need.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And getting back then to the vaccine on the opioid addiction, like you said, it's because it's a crisis right now that that the main focus is on that vaccine. Um, and, um, and this is also a part of the HEAL initiative, right? Mm-hmm. Through the NIH, and that's an aggressive initiative, I understand.
1: Yes, it's a very aggressive initiative. Um, there have been a lot of money and resources put towards it. Um, this was the first, what they call the principal investigator meeting that happened just last week mm-hmm. uh, in Bethesda at NIH, bringing all these groups together, probably for the first time, um, working with all different aspects, because the vaccine isn't going to solve the opioid addiction problem. It's just gonna be one more tool um, for those people who, who are addicts that are trying to recover. And there's, there's things going in front of that too. If you know, there's lots of work going on to try to find non-opioid based pain medicines. Um, hopefully if one of those is found, maybe we won't need a vaccine. That sure. would be the hope. Um, but in reality, uh, we probably will. It's probably a combination of um, the prescribers that are prescribing the drugs. It's a combination of educating the people that are taking the drugs. Um, knowing people that the getting rid of the stigma of the, that it's, that it's an addiction and it's a choice, but it's not, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a disease. a disease. And you know, you think about it in 2017, about 70,000 people in the U.S. died from overdose. Mm. About two thirds of those were fentanyl related overdose. Influenza kills, you know, 20 to 25,000 people a year in the U.S. When you're sick with flu, you go to the doctor. When you're sick because you have an opioid addiction, you don't because you're scared of the stigma that might put on you or your family that you have a problem. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So people need to get past that and past that fear, ask for help. And hopefully things like vaccines and other treatments and through counseling and and other help with people that are starting to take opioids for that they need for controlling pain hopefully those things in combination will help solve the solve the crisis and and slow down this epidemic that we're seeing
0: is it possible that opioids could be be, become a thing of the past with maybe other possibilities out there other solutions I,
1: i certainly hope so in the space of drugs to control pain I certainly hope that will be the case. Um, Unfortunately, in the illegal drug industry, opioids, synthetic opioids like like the new ones, like carfentanil, sufentanil, fentanyl, Hmm. are really easy to make and they're cheap to make compared to heroin and morphine and some of the other traditional drugs. So unfortunately, now that they're being made and on the street, it's gonna be hard to get rid of them altogether. But hopefully it will become a place where the, the pain relieving opioids won't be needed anymore, and the only the ones that'll be out there will be the illegal mm-hmm.
0: ones. Well, overall, at, what do you think it's going to take to really try to bring an end to mm-hmm. opioid addiction?
1: Yeah. Again, I think it's a combination of multiple things. One is uh, you know, the, the prescribers, the doctors, the clini- clinicians, um, understanding what choices they have for, for pain medicines and, and how best to prescribe those to patients, which patients are more likely to become addicted or not, and make sure those patients are, are informed as to the addic- addictive nature of these drugs and how to manage that. Okay. But at the same time, we need to make sure that those medicines that are the people that have, chronic pain or even short-term pain, um, that they have access to them but they're aware of, of the signs of addiction and, and how, to, how to deal with that. Um, and then it comes to you know e- educating people, like we said, about the stigma mm-hmm. and when they need help, asking for help. When they ask for help, having those resources there um, through different types of free rehab centers, counselors, vaccines, or other treatments that helps them then get off those opioids that they're addicted to. Yeah,
0: that's the tough thing. So um, what made it possible to land this contract? Obviously, probably all the vaccine work that the University of Montana is already mm-hmm. doing,
1: Yeah. So played it, a it's, role. It's an interesting story, Yes, yeah, so absolutely. So we have a really good relationship with the National Institute of, Institutes of Health and our program officers. And we have a lot of very active vaccine programs, like I said, with flu and, and, and tuberculosis and others. So they actually reached out to us mm. and, and brought us That's together great. in a meeting at NIH a couple years ago, um, where they brought together groups that were already working on um, abuse vaccines. Um, and the people that work on vaccines for infectious disease that have all these different types of immunostimulants and ways to deliver vaccines. So they brought those groups together in a meeting and a workshop at NIH, and then told them about this new initiative that's coming out and they had money to deploy to it and asked us to partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we partnered with this, this group from Minnesota and uh, submitted for a supplement off one of our current contracts and we're awarded that supplement. Okay. Um, And now we have since then, we've put in for an additional larger grant that's that's 15 million that Mm -hmm. we'll hear about this year, which will allow us to do just like I said, and take our lead candidates and go into phase one. Sure. And we're hopeful that that money that will get awarded. But we're it's a competitive uh, application. So we'll wait to see. Sure. So
0: breakdown again, you touched a little bit on how this vaccine works. Mm -hmm. What's in it? How often would someone need to get it?
1: That's a great questions because most people think about vaccines. They don't think about vaccines that target a drug. It's it's infectious disease, traditional effect, mm-hmm. types of vaccines. So in this case, um, we actually take the drug itself and we make what's called a hapten. That is the drug with, with a linker attached to it that allows us to put it on a carrier protein mm-hmm. that makes it so the immune system can recognize it. Um, and so we make this in the lab. And um, when you vaccinate with it, The immune system recognizes the protein and then recognizes the drug attached to it and generates antibodies to the drug. So now Mm -hmm. in your system, you have antibodies circulating that will recognize, for example, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when the person uses fentanyl, the antibody binds the drug and prevents it from going to the brain. The antibodies won't cross the blood-brain barrier, so then they don't have no effect because the drug can't reach the receptor in the brain. Okay. Um, and so, unlike a traditional vaccine, when you take the drug, it's not going to give you a booster response because of your memory response that you have with the traditional vaccine um, because that protein component isn't there when you take the drug. So, the vaccine will likely have to be administered, I'm guessing, every three to six months during the time hmm. the patient's in rehab. But once they stop taking the vaccine, the antibody levels will go down and then they will know that it's a good thing because then if in the future they needed fentanyl for pain relief, it will be available to them again in the future yeah. because taking it, they won't have the antibody at the high enough levels in the bloodstream to have an effect.
0: And that's what I'm wondering, if you're on the vaccine and you have chronic pain, yeah. dealing with that, can you still take opioids? You, you can, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: yeah, so the vaccines to, to date that we've seen are very specific to the drug you're targeting. Mm-hmm. So if we target fentanyl, the patient should still have availability of morphine and some of the other opioid-based medicines for pain relief. Likewise, if you target morphine, it probably will not should not cross-react with fentanyl. You would still have access to fentanyl right. as a pain relief
0: medicine. Well, I find it really fascinating. What's next for the program? I know that um, there's a lot going on here at the University of Montana with, like you said, the other vaccines, but what are some of the other future projects that you hope to be working on?
1: So absolutely, so we have vaccine, projects in a lot of different areas. Um, We're anticipating some of those moving into phase one clinical trials here Mm -hmm. in the next two years, several of those programs, uh, including our allergy program, our oncology program for immuno-oncology, as well as the opioid program. Uh, We have exciting uh, disease programs in Pseudomonas, preventing biofilm formation. Um, Really great early preclinical data um, that's been generated uh, and a lot of interest in moving programs like that into the clinic. Um, we've only been at the University of Montana since 2016, mm-hmm. um, and so these programs aren't that old, um, but, they've, but they've rapidly progressed and we've, we've grown really fast. We have, we have collaborators all over the world that we're working with on, on various vaccine programs.
0: Well, it's really impressive. Are you seeing more students as a result of some of the work that's going on?
1: Oh yeah, our Is labs it? are full of students. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fun. It, it's a great, like I said, um, people know our story. We, we worked in Hamilton for many years at, at GlaxoSmithKline down there before sure. moving up here. There have been some stories about that transition. um, And coming up to the university has has been really good for our team because the students come with so many ideas and so much enthusiasm, it sends us in a lot of directions that we'd never even thought of. Um, so it's, it's fun having the students in labs. We have, Like I said, we have high school students in the lab, we have undergraduates and graduate students, and then postdocs, um, and the, the dynamic there is a, is a lot of fun. And yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where it's gonna go over the next five to 10 years.
0: All right, well, and starting to wrap up here, any mm-hmm. final information that you'd like to share?
1: No, I mean, I'd say the main thing is, is The message to get out is, yes, we're working on lots of different treatments for for opioids. We're working on monoclonal-based antibodies. We're looking on vaccines. But the main thing of people out there who are having trouble with opioid addiction is to get help. Mm -hmm. Ask for help. There's resources that are available now, and people need to take advantage of them. Um, Because, like I said, 70,000 people died from drug abuse in this country in 2017. The numbers for 2018 aren't out yet. We're hoping they go down mm-hmm. or at least level off, um, but it's, it's, it's an epidemic.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and troubling, and, numbers. And troubling numbers. Troubling and, numbers and and people need to be aware of it and, uh, and not be scared to ask for help.
0: Okay, good message. Thank you so much, Dr. Jay Evans, and thanks for listening. That wraps up this segment of Spotlight Montana.